Okay, let's get started. Welcome to the third episode of the Bottom of the Ninth Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Sawi, and alongside me is Luis Aguirre Jr. And we have an interesting list of topics for you. Let's get started. How are you doing today, Luis? Pretty good, pretty good. It's hump day. You know, like we got to hump day. Get that grind. Yep. I am in very hot California. I think it's around 98 degrees. What's the weather like wherever you are? Uh, it's pretty nice. I'm not going to lie about it. Um, I don't – I actually don't know the weather right here right now. Like, out of the top but of my head. Hot. But, like, not that hot. Not, you not know? that hot. It's, okay. It's it's passable. It's passable. Like, I, okay. I went out right now for a run, and it was fine. Like, I didn't sweat that much. Okay. It, it's fine. Okay. It's fine up here. That's good. I respect it. Okay. So, let's get started right away. So, I wrote down – Five standout moments of the 2019 Major League Baseball season. And uh, my first one, I just want to start off with um, the home run derby during the All-Star game. And this was the first year where usually if you win the home run derby, I think you get like 100 grand or something like that. But this year they made it $1 million. And uh, like the average Major League Baseball contract for like people on their like rookie contracts or whatever it's like $525,000 or something like that so uh since they increased the prize money by like to a million dollars more and more people wanted to participate just because like the money's higher and as a result more and more young players joined and um basically I just want to talk about four of them uh, Jock Peterson, Vladimir Guerrero uh, Jr., Pete Alonzo, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Okay, what do you remember about this home run derby, Luis? I honestly, honestly, this has been probably the best home run derby I've seen since 2008 in Old Yankee Stadium. And that's the oh, one where Josh, Hamilton, Josh Hamilton hit 28 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, in the first round. I remember that. Yeah. But, like, this home run derby, the difference between that one and this one is that this year, the youth, the, the youth was so, like, in the air the whole entire home run derby. Like, you got a lot of youth, and besides the youth, you got a lot of Latino players there, and they added their own little spice to their own routine while hitting the home run derby. I don't know if you realized, but um, um, Ronald Acuna Jr. used um, – when he was hitting the home runs, uh, when it was his turn, he was using um, some um, Latin music behind him and also Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Everybody had, like, their own style, and I – like – for me, being a Latino, that that that's that means a lot to me because we have like it, we have a lot of similarities because that those are my favorite songs as well that I use. So I could be oh, like, yeah. oh, like he's one of my guys, you know, like he's representing us like as a community, and it felt really nice, man, watching them. Even Alonzo won, like, it was just an amazing experience watching them at a, such a young age, man. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was smashing balls out of that park. Like, it, yeah, was, it was yeah, an all-around amazing home run derby. It was amazing. Yeah, I just wanted to go in-depth on it, but uh, Ronald Acuna, I think he he got eliminated in the second round of Pete Alonso, but he had, like, such raw power. Like, he wasn't – like, that ball, when he, when he when it hit his bat, it just flew off. Like, it would – cross the stands and it would cross the fence and it would just be going super fast it was like sonic speed it was just amazing to see his power it was like raw potential power i just loved it and i think the standout to me was vladimir guerrero 
and Jock Peterson in the second round. So I think uh, they hit. So in the first round, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. broke the record. He, uh, Josh Hamilton hit 28, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And when back when Josh Hamilton did it, it was 10 outs. I don't know if you remember this, but they used to do 10 yeah, outs. Yeah, it was 10 outs. Uh huh. And now uh, it's five minutes or three minutes, something like that. And then if you hit two home runs that are greater than 440 feet, you get two uh, extra or two extra bats at bats or two extra innings or two extra minutes, something like that. 30 seconds, I think, whatever the number is. But they changed it up. And he still broke the record. He hit like he hit 29, I think, in the first round. And in the second round, everyone's like, oh, he's probably tired after hitting this much. Because Josh Hamilton, he although he hit 28 in that first round, I thought he lost that one, right? Who won that one? Yeah. Uh, Justin Morneau of the Minnesota Twins won the home run. Yes, 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 yes. I remember that. Oh, just a quick minute. I just want to say this before I forget this. Uh, Brandon Inch, he was on the Tigers. He was on the home run derby, I think, one of those years. Maybe it was the year after, or maybe it was like 2010, 2011, that time. And every like he was probably like the worst hitter of that entire eight people, and he hit zero home runs. I just remember this. I don't know why I'm saying it, but I just remember that. No, I remember. I think I think it was 2010, the one in Arizona, right? 2010. Yeah, yeah Chase Field. Was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense. Oh, Ricky Weeks, man. Ricky Weeks missed the first pitch. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> Oh yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. But like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the Josh Hamilton one, I think it was harder because like he wasn't pulling the ball as much as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in Cleveland. Yeah, you know, yeah. Cleveland has like, it's pretty. It's not that far, but like in old Yankee Stadium, Josh Hamilton was hitting them in the black seats yeah, and onto yeah. like the other side of the field. Man, he was going oppo so many times. But like, yeah, both yeah, both home run derbies were like on my top ten at least, man. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think top five for me, like maybe, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely remember the Hamilton one just because I remember the exact place I was at for the Hamilton one. I was at my friend's house. We were playing baseball or something outside, and we went into his dad's house, and we just walked, like turned on the TV, and his dad was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I think Hamilton at that time was on 15 or 16 home runs on the dot. And then we saw it, and he's like, ah, how much more could he go? And then he hit, kept going, kept going. Got to 20, and then we're like, oh, I can't go anymore. 21, 22, everyone, it looked like he was getting more and more tired. And since there was no time, he used to take his time for going up there. He got to 27, and I was like, that's it. He's tapping out because he was already at eight or nine outs. And he hit one more after that. And that home run, I remember this because the ball was like a fly ball. It just kept flying, flying, flying. And finally it lands, and it's like, oh, my God, he actually hit 28. And it was just crazy. So I remember the exact moment where I was for that one. So that I always judge like sports moments based on like where I was in my life during that time. So like I remember Jose Fernandez's death. I remember exactly the place I was at when that happened. So I'm always like that. I always like to connect my life with like sports memories. I don't know if you're the same way. Do you have any memories like that where you like remember the exact place you were at? There's going to be a lot of bias, but I remember exactly where I was when my Yankees won the uh, 2009 World Series. (laughs) I remember exactly what I did that night when that happened. The next day, and then the week after that, I was bragging about my Yankees. (laughs) Yeah, 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 definitely. It's just just a beautiful moment that you cherish forever, man. I think when you connect, like, like you said, when you connect yourself with sport moments, they're always going to be there forever, man. Yeah, definitely. Always going to be there. 
in 2010, there was like some special like field day thing going on at school. And I remember this so particularly because the San Francisco 49ers built like oh, this playground at my middle school. And I was in sixth grade and I was like, that's cool. But like one uh, PE teacher had the radio onto the Giants game against the Reds and Buster Posey hits a grand slam game five. And like everyone's like at the other side of the field, but like there's these group of like 25 kids around the small little radio and it's dead silent. And they say, Buster Posey, it's a ball. It's going deep deep and it's out of here you know like the whole playground is just jumping in joy like that was the first moment when like giants had really made an impact in my like childhood because like when my childhood was barry bonds and barry bonds he was liked by a lot of people but he also had his haters because the whole steroids thing and without barry bonds there was this team it was full of young players it was filled with all-stars like not all-stars but like guys who were good-hearted they no one expected us to do anything and I remember that that moment when like the whole playground is just going crazy and everything like that and like each yeah. of the World Series wins I remember like what moment I was at or what I was doing the night before the day of and things like that yeah well and that I think that 2010 series against Cincinnati the unsung hero is Angel Pagan, man, because, like, was defensive wise. Yeah, I thought it was, oh, wise. defense wise. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought it was, yeah, like, Deodor Aubrey Hall. Hoff, Cody Ross, Pat Burrell was on that team. A couple yeah, others, like, I forget. Nobody nobody remembers about him because, like, when Deanna Navarro came up to bat for Cincinnati with a go-ahead run on, I think it was second and third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he came. He came up with that line drive, that sinking line drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's always it, hard. Man. That's always hard to do. Yep. And that 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 was probably the game right there, the game saver. Yeah. Uh, but just going back to his home run derby. So in the second round, I think Vladimir Guerrero. Everyone thinks he's tired, but he goes and hits twenty eight, or he hits twenty three again. And Jock Peterson ties it in the exact same time. They need an extra swing off, and it's like three. You get three hit, or you get two swings or three, three hits. Something three swings. Like. I think you get three swings or five swings. Three to five. Yeah, I think. it's three swings. I think so. Then they need the extra swing off. It's they tie it up two two again, and then on the next swing off, it's tied again two two. So they go to a third swing off, and then on the third swing off, they tie again because I think uh, Vladimir Guerrero pulls one home run and then he hits like line drive to the next one, and then hits a grounder, and Peterson did the same thing. But in the very last one, everyone knows, like, this might be the last one because both these guys are gassed. Vladimir Guerrero takes a break, and he hits a home run off the first ball, and he hits a home run off the second ball. Third ball, he misses. Peterson hits a home run on the first one, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, here we go again. We're going to go another swing off. But then Peterson hits a liner on the next one, and, like, they, like, they, like, turn up the lights and everything, and all the lights are on Peterson, and Peterson's really tired and hits a grounder. And I think Vladimir Guerrero won like forty to thirty nine or something, like the fourth swing off. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was great. It was great. Yep. And in the final round, it's Pete Alonso versus Vladimir Guerrero, and everyone's like, "Oh, Vladimir Guerrero's tired." Nope. Yeah, exactly, another twenty home exactly, runs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Everybody was counting out Pete Alonso from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From yeah. the beginning, you could automatically say that. And I didn't watch this home run derby live. I missed like the first half, but then on Twitter I got the notification that Vladimir Guerrero was going off. So I was like, okay, like that means he won. I didn't realize that he did it in the second round. So 
So I turn on my TV and I connect up. I like connect my laptop, connect it to the TV and I turn it on. And then Pete Alonso's hitting. I'm like, oh, they're probably showing a replay of it. And no, it's live. It says live at the very top. I'm like, oh, so I wonder like if Vladimir Guerrero is like, Pete Alonso trying to get there. And then they say, oh, Vladimir Guerrero comes up next. And then Vladimir Guerrero like goes and like loses, but barely. And like Pete Alonso was just amazing, dude. Like it was crazy. It was a, it was such a great moment for him, I think, because like people were doubting him, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> odds oh. were not in his favor, and he just just came in clutch, man. That's true. I think uh, he he hit second uh, all three times in like all three rounds, and he basically didn't need extra time. He always just won it. In the very first one, I think I don't remember who he uh, was like uh, like pitted against, but he like barely won. Oh, he it was Santana of the Indians. What's his name? Um, Santana, Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Carlos Santana hit thirteen, and Pete Alonso hit fourteen on the very last pitch, with, like two seconds left, which was pretty cool. So he was just clutch, man. It was amazing. Uh, just to go off on this, who do you think is like the next hitter or like this young hitter to win the home run derby next year? Bo Bichette. Really? Okay. Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette. He has the natural talent like his father did back in the day. And he has exactly the same pop that his dad used to have when he was with the Rockies. You could hear the exact same sound of the bat if you listen closely. And the same smooth swing, man. I don't know. Everything about Bo Bichette, I don't know. Everything – you can't say anything bad about him. He's just natural, natural talent-wise, man. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I felt like – I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is definitely going to be compete again next year because I think he almost won it. And I think there's some part of him that thinks that he can win it next year. Uh, but I was thinking that it would be um, – give me a second. I wrote this list down. Let me pull it up. Ooh. So I was thinking it could be Jorge Soler from the Royals. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of home runs. Um, I think uh, Eugenio Suarez and Derek Dietrich, of this, both of them from the Cincinnati Reds. I think if Dietrich does it, I think a lot of people would be excited because he's, like, this guy who, like, shows off and, like, showboats and, like, he's just big and, like, has muscles and, like, it's just a new fan. <laughs> yeah, and Cody Bellinger definitely can come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, Cody well. Bellinger definitely. Um, I think Kyle Schwarber, I think he's always, uh, like, I can always see him competing in it and maybe even Josh Bell from the Pirates. I think he competed Pirates, in it last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but those guys definitely. So it's always exciting to see if these young guys can do it. Um, okay. Do you have uh, – so my number two standout moment of the season, Tyler Skaggs dies in a tragic accident. Uh, the Angels are supposed to play the Rangers, but um, Tyler Skaggs passes out overnight. I think it's off a drug overdose of, like, fentanyl or something like that. And uh, – he dies, and the Angels on the first home game back, uh, home game after his death, uh, Tyler Skaggs' mom throws the first pitch, and uh, everyone's wearing number 45, and they throw a combined no-hitter against the Mariners, and it's just amazing. It's an amazing moment because they're honoring their friend, like a warrior and their brother. It's just I, – I, I, like, really, like, teared up watching this moment. What, what do you remember about this moment? 
I'm thinking about it right now. It just gives gives me chills because it it's it's weird how this life works, man. Like it's yeah. so weird how when somebody like a teammate passes away or something, something big happens and something emotional happens the next time you're all together. Like with Jose Fernandez, you know, like when D Gordon hit that home run, he's home never run, hit a home yeah. run to lead off a game and that yeah. bar, you know, it's it's weird. It's weird. It's like I don't know. It's hard to explain to people, but it's something that um is really emotional and yeah. that's 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 the reason why you should never live life like all all in a bad mood like you gotta live it up man you, you never know yeah. when it's your time and tomorrow is just, just crazy yeah. yeah it's just crazy and the way the angels and the rangers came together it was it was just beautiful it was just beautiful and i don't know i don't know what else to say like it 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 impacted the whole the whole baseball world in such a in such a way that like a combined no hitter like how how you can't explain it you just can't explain it. That's true. Uh yeah, it, that moment was. I remember Jose Fernandez is like exactly like that D Gordon home run. Like I lived with two of my best friends last year, and uh we were really close, and we all followed baseball to a certain extent, and we always played these games with each other and um, there we always like played these like little trivia questions to see like who knew each other the best. And one of those questions was like, it always somehow turned out to like, be like what moment will like guarantee makes one cry in the house. And it would be like, they would all point to me and the Jose Fernandez moment. Cause every time I watch that video of D Gordon hitting that home run, I have never not teared up. I'm always teared up. That moment is just so I, like, I don't want to say iconic, but it's just, like, the amount of hurting that he has. Like, he takes the first pitch, and I think, like, either in uh, Jose Fernandez's stance. In stance. Yeah, yeah, he took it in the stance. Uh-huh. And his right bat hand. or something like that. Some, I, It was a mixture of two things, but I totally forget it. it like, my mind's blinking out. And then uh, it's just he hits that home run, and it, I have nothing else to say because – when he crosses the plates, like, everyone's just crying, and he, like, points up, and, like, it, he talks about how, like, that was his best friend, and then Barry Bonds, and, like, everyone hugs him in the uh, right as he reaches, um, like, the bench, and, like, it's just uh, an amazing moment, man. Uh, yeah, so Tyler Skaggs, that was my number two moment, just in, um, just a sad moment. And um, I always remember the Angels because I think this was maybe 09 or 010. Uh, they had this really bright young pitching prospect named Nick Adenhart, and he died in a car accident. Like, this was during spring training, but he died, like, right before as he – I think, like, that season he would have probably made his major league debut. And they have this, like, picture of him on their right field wall. So, I always, like – I always feel bad for the Angels during that because, like, they lost two of, like, bright pitchers with Skaggs yeah. and um, Nick Aidenhart. Okay. Just going on from there. Um, uh, my third moment was the Washington Nationals comebacks in the 2019 Major League season. This – story was just iconic in terms of it was probably the best comebacks like October always has those crazy stories of like things happening that are not supposed to happen but the Washington Nationals were not supposed to be in that moment man Bryce Harper uh left the team that he was their best player and he was really their icon of their franchise and 
he asked for like the they gave him like a 10-year 300 million dollar deal but he said no and he was like i'm gonna get a bigger contract in free agency and he got it with the phillies he got like a 10-year 330 million dollars all guaranteed and he goes to join their rival and they use that money that they could have signed Harper with to sign Patrick Corbin. They signed like Kurt Suzuki and a couple other players. And um, so they start off slow. Their record is 19 and 31 on May 23rd, which is just a couple days ago. And for comparison, the Tigers were 19 and 31 around this exact same time, or 19 and 33, something like that. And they finished with 47 wins and gaining the first overall pick. So, it, like, they were not supposed to be there. But the main reason for this was they were just injured. They were – a lot of players were injured. I think uh, Juan Soto was injured around this time. Like, I think he went on the DL. And a lot of other players went on the DL. And the, tight, the Nationals were injured. But then their players got healthy, and they went on a 74-38 and 38 run win streak. And they clinched a home wild card game. So before I continue, I, what was what do you remember about these nationals? What were some moments you remember? And I did, I don't I wrote down a lot of information, but I don't want to just read them out. I want what I want to do is I want to hear you say your things, and then I'll, I'll just add in with a couple of facts. You know what this nationals team reminded me of? The O one Diamondbacks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Young team, so not a lot this, of history. This, na- yep. this national, this, this national team had a mix of old and new, and the veterans did their job. And I'm honestly gonna say this: the Nationals did good by not signing Harper. Um, getting them off their payroll is probably the best thing that organization ever did. Cause like, this is what happened when Alex Rodriguez was was with Texas. Once they got Alex Rodriguez off of their payroll, the Rangers were a contender in that American League division. So <laughs> what a lot of a lot of analysts said during that time was that when everybody is focused on one player in that team, the whole team loses its own focus. Because yeah. baseball, baseball, you can't win it by one guy. Yeah, Alex Rodriguez won, like, three MVPs, three gold gloves, all this stuff. But what about the team in general, you know? And, and I think this is what the Nationals did by subtracting Harper. They, they yeah. lost all the attention, and they snuck, sneaked up on literally every team on that division going yeah. into the playoffs in October. That's true. Yeah, uh, I think Bill Simmons had this argument that when a team loses its best player, they somehow become better the next year. And, like, it, a lot of these times when he said that, like, it made sense, but they'd never, like, really had a team that won it. Like, they would always get close. And this Nationals team was kind of the first team that, like, really, like, like impacted his theory and, like, kind of proved it in a way. And he says the same thing as you just said. He says – people uh, take their eyes off the team just because they lose their best player. And the thing with Harper for me was I didn't understand why people are waiting till late February, like at the beginning of spring training to sign contracts. Like you don't want that distraction to be on your new team or your old team. I would be deciding if I wanted to play for a new team or old team right by around, like, I don't want to say like, Right after the season, maybe like during the winter meetings, right after the winter meetings. But now I see a lot of people waiting and waiting and waiting to sign that new contract. And I've never been a fan of it just because I've always felt that you're taking away from your team. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, 
it's crazy, but it ended up going going on the Nationals' good side because they ended up winning the World Series, man. Like that's just yeah. incredible. After after trading Harper, that's even a bittersweet moment for them. And I think the best thing about that team was their captain, Ryan Zimmerman, man. Like that guy's been there forever, and like he, that's what I'm saying. Like that's why this team reminds me of the Diamondbacks because there were old guys. Have never made it to the World Series, which might be the only time they might get to the World Series and and actually win it. That's what happened with yeah. Mark Grace, Matt Williams, all those old guys in that D-backs team in one That's exactly what happened. Mixing old with some new and some veterans there with the experience. It can make yeah, it, it can make definitely. it happen. Um. Yeah, a lot of parallels parallels between that team and this team. Um. But they played five elimination games during that time, and they were behind in every single one of those games. And especially during that wild card game against the Brewers, the Brewers were up by two runs in the eighth inning, and they bring out their closer, Josh Hader, who is like one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he's one of my favorite pitchers. And they bring him in, and everyone's like, yep, that's the end of the season for the Nationals. And I remember this journalist saying that he started writing like the Nationals season ending preview. Like he was like, yeah, like we have an interesting off season to look forward to. We were close, but we didn't start off healthy. So he started writing that article and this is when this happened. Baseball always has a funny way, right? Six outs left, backs against the wall. Nationals pull off an amazing comeback. Bases loaded, two outs. Juan Soto in his first uh, major league playoff game. He singles and the ball rolls underneath the right fielder's glove, allowing three runs to score and give Washington the lead. Juan Soto is a stud. Uh, yeah, that's just crazy, man. We I always think baseball has like so many funny moments when the ball rolls underneath the gloves with uh, Bill Bucknor and everyone like that. Yep. That's what happened, Graffinino in 05. Yeah. People and you forget. never come back, man. Baseball, baseball, baseball is just hard. Yeah. It, it, it'll break your heart, and you'll never recover. That's true. You'll never um, recover. They basically just go right through the card. They play the Cardinal. Uh, they play the Dodgers, who are the best team in the NL. They were, the, they were in the World Series two years in a row, and everyone agrees that this is the Dodgers' best chance to win it all because the NL isn't that strong, and they, they're going to have an easy path to the World Series and potentially play the Astros or Yankees or whatever team it's, it is on the other side. But the, they lose the first one away. So Nationals lose the first one at Chavez Ravine. They win game two at Chavez Ravine. And they lose game three at Chavez Ravine. And then in game four, Los Angeles scores in the first inning of game four. And everyone's like, oh, it could be a long night again. Rich Hill loads uh, the bases up on two walks and a single in the third inning. And remember this name, Anthony Rendon. We'll talk a lot about him over the next few minutes. He hits a sack fly to tie it up. And then they score four runs in the fifth to put the game away. And Scherzer wasn't his best like he usually is, but he was really freaking good. And he escapes like a bases loaded jam in the seventh inning to basically put the game away and bring in the Nationals uh, relief or relievers and their closer. Um, yeah, and they win game four at home and they play game five away. Do you remember this game five or do you want me to get into it? 
I get into it, bro. Get into it. Okay. Once again, they're down by two runs in the eighth inning, just like the previous uh, uh, game, um, just like the wild card game against the Brewers. And Rendon and Soto hit back-to-back home runs off of Clayton Kershaw. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, the Dodgers, what's happening to them? And two innings later, Howie Kendrick hits a grand slam, and the Nationals are sent to play the Cardinals for a trip to the World Series. Just I'll add on about, like, what do you think about this, this Dodgers team and basically the Nationals? The Nationals. Kind of feel like this Dodgers team were like too confident coming into this matchup, like way yeah, too confident. Yeah. Uh, they didn't. They didn't think. Well, honestly, Howie Kendrick is, I think, considered now a veteran. So yeah, yeah, yeah. his at bats, if you look closely, that's how you take an at bat, man. That's how. That's I think what he taught the youngsters to do. You know. Not not only him, but like Kurt Suzuki and Ryan Zimmerman. Everybody's like teaching everybody like not take any at bat for granted, and that's what they did the whole series. They didn't take one for granted. They did they did everything they could. They played the smart ball, you know. They got runners on, moved them over, sacrificed. You know, you got to do all that stuff to be successful and not rely on the long ball like the Dodgers did this whole season. You know, with Cody yeah. Bellinger. Not trashing them because they're great ball players. They're all great ball players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, you sometimes those little things, those little plays, baseball will reward you for those things. And that's what they did throughout the whole season, throughout the whole playoffs, even though being down plenty times. In those late innings, they came back with those small ball plays, you know, and that's that's how it is. That's how baseball plays. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, yeah. Uh, you said it perfectly. I don't want to take away anything from what you said. And then they played the Cardinals, and the Cardinals get swept. I think they come out and just surprise them. They were like, whoa, what is this? And the Nationals just go off on runs and just sort of straight 4-0 sweep. And then they go and play the Astros, one of the best teams in baseball, stud players at every position. Amazing starting rotation. Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, and a lot of other players. And um, they no one expects the Nationals to get the job done. They were not the favorites. And everyone's predicting sweeps. And everyone's like, bring out the broomsticks. But guess what happens, man? Um, uh, they lose game one and two at home. Uh, the Nationals just come out on tears, and the Astros lose it. And everyone's like, oh, maybe we have a series on the hands and the Nationals are going to sweep. They're calling for a sweep again. But this Astros team, they win the next three games at National Park, uh, at Nationals Park. And the Nationals offense is basically shut down. They score one run each game. They score three runs combined in those three games. And in game six and seven, the Astros score early, but the Nationals offense gets it done and win, man. Just uh, – what do you remember about this World Series? This World Series has a lot of controversy behind it. Like, yes. Like, just be, besides, like, the Astros cheating scandal and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't personally going for the Astros. And I'm saying – I'm not saying this because I'm a Yankees fan, but, like, I knew the Nationals, like, 
were the underdog. And the underdog always ends up being up top in baseball, no matter what. So the team that makes the, the least errors, which were the Nationals, always wins, man. This team never gave up. And like I said before, in late innings, they, they played baseball, man. That, the manager for the Nationals, he, Martinez, he just – he just let them do what they do best, you know. He never, like, pressured them into doing anything, even when they were, like, down to their last strike, when Howie Kendrick hit that home run. Like, like it was just an amazing World Series. Yeah, definitely. And Howie Kendrick, so he hit that 10th inning Grand Slam against the Dodgers, and he goes off against the Cardinals. He was named MVP of that NLCS. And game seven of the World Series in the seventh inning um, at Minute Maid Park, which is where the Astros play. The Astros are leading two to one. And Kendrick hits a go-ahead two-run homer off the foul pole in right field. And this was right after that um, controversy of, uh, like, the interference call that they made. And everyone's like, oh, no, that's the wrong call. That's the right call. Basically a horrible call in my opinion, but Howie Kendrick. Yeah, with Trey Turner, right? Yep. Yeah. Trey Turner at first. Yeah, it was a really, really idiotic call. It it he was safe. He was safe in my opinion. There was there was there was no intention of like interference. Yeah, any type of interference. Like like Guriel did a great job of like throwing the glove and selling it for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like no, that wasn't oh, – oh, oh, my God. That was not interference whatsoever. And that was game six. And then in game seven, that's when Howie Kendrick – or Anthony Rendon hits the home run in game six, I think. And then in game yeah. seven, it's Howie Kendrick. And I always mix those two up. I shouldn't, but one of them <laughs> used to play on the Angels. One of them is now on the Angels, I think. On Angels, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Angels. So I always mix those two up, and it's just weird, like – uh, but yeah, they uh, Anthony Rendon uh, hits that home run, and during that home run, I was on Twitter, and everyone's like, "The ball doesn't lie. Like, ball always wins. Like, mud always wins. Like, you messed up the call, and that's what happens to you." And everyone, and this was even before everyone knew about the Astros cheating, like the buzzers. Yeah. And everything like that. We'll get right yeah. into it. We'll get into that thing right after <laughs> this because I think that is important to talk about. But yeah, and. Uh, um, Washington went like it wins the game six to two to clinch the first World Series title in franchise history, with Daniel yeah. Hudson striking out uh, Michael Brantley to end it, and it was just an amazing moment, man. They could have, they could have won, they could have won in '94 when they were the Expos. They could have, yes, the '94 strike ruined it. Yeah, yeah, and I got the proof right here. <laughs> could have won it. They could have won it. That's true. And if they win that, they're probably still in Montreal. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's just uh, – it was cool moment, man, that they had a lot of, like, team – I always, like, every World Series team that is an underdog has, like, moments with them, like, moments where the team, like, stands together. And with, like, just, like, the 2014 Giants, it was the yes – Yes, like Hunter Pence leading it, and like in 2012, yeah. like Hunter Pence's speeches, and then like in 2010, the rally song. I just know those on the top of my head because it's the Giants, and then like for the Angels in 02, it's the rally monkey, 
in football for the Steelers, it's a terrible towel. Every team has like particular <laughs> things that make it stand out. And the um, angel, the angels had the monkey, the rally monkey. No the angels had the rally monkey. Yeah, yeah, I, I mentioned that. But the uh, these Nationals had the baby shark song. Uh, Gerardo Parra, who they signed to like a major league contract in like late yeah. May. He uh his he was in a slump and his daughter's favorite song was Baby Shark and he made that his walk up intro and like the whole arena does it and and yesterday two days ago when they released their uh, World Series rings there was like all these numbers that meant something and then there was also like the Baby Shark like logo imprinted on it to like identify that moment yeah on the inside yeah on the inside Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think the Nationals also, like, all the Nationals Latin players had, like, a particular song that they sang every time it got close. And so it was just a really cool moment where this team, like, really stood together in, like, all the solidarity and, like, all these off-the-field troubles and to just win it all, which is, I think, one of the best moments in sports is when, like, there's an underdog story when no one expects anything to happen and something just happens then. It's really cool. Baseball, baseball rewards you, man. That's yeah, all yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, these Astros were good. We talked about it, but that, uh, uh to me, honestly, the, I thought the World Series was the ALCS series. Uh, the Astros barely beat the Rays. I'll mention that because they won every home game, but no one expected the uh, race to do that well against the Astros, but they did it, man. That race team was not bad. They're small market teams. So they don't get a lot of credit. I'll mention that. But then in the ALCS, that's 2019 season, it was the Astros versus the Yankees. So you watch, you're a Yankees fan. Tell me just, I don't have much on this. I just, I, I all I have is that game six moment, but just tell me about the series and what you remember from the series. It was a great series. It was a great series. Uh, both sides played great. Um, just some manager like mistakes. Yeah. I guess I can say that. Like, why would you take a pitcher out when he's dealing? You know, like why? Like, I think that's just because of the era we're in right now. That starting pitcher only goes maybe four or five innings, and you bring like yeah. three or three three guys in the same inning to face each batter. I feel like that's. Yeah. That's a total loss of arms, you know. You gotta save them, but like overall, that series was great. Nail biter for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was. I don't know. It was just overall a great series, and it yeah. didn't end up on my side, but like I enjoyed every single bit of it. There's a point to make that if the Astros did not cheat, the Yankees would end up winning that series, but we we don't know. Like maybe these players are good enough to win by themselves but um the only moment that i wrote down for this is like out like every kid drink this uh i saw this article on uh, mlb.com and um i forget the author's name but he says like it's every kid's dream to like hit like a postseason like a uh, world series winning home run or like a pennant clinching home run and altuve had that moment uh game six a roll to shotman's pitching and Altuve hits a three-run home run, um, and dreams are made out of that stuff, man. Um, and to yeah. add on to that, bro, like, honestly, honestly, people are saying that Altuve cheated and stuff like that. All right, I get that. I get that. But as a Yankee fan, the count was two and two. 
He already threw a slider. He already threw the changeup. You're not going to want to walk him either. Yeah. Because of his base running. So yeah. what are you going to do? Everybody, everybody in the stadium knew he was going to throw that fastball up and in on Altuve. Everybody. Everybody knew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they shouldn't discredit Altuve for cheating on that play because everybody knew what was coming. Yeah. Uh, he just choked up the bat and swung early, I guess. A little bit early and made good contact, you know. Like, it, yeah, he, he's a good player. You can't take that away from him. He's he's a, he's a clutch player for that team. Yeah, I I know like a lot of people are like against choking up, but like I always remember Barry Bond saying like everyone says it's cheating, but I choked up on every single pitch in my major league baseball career. I didn't. There's no pitch that I didn't choke up on it. Like to me, if it was like a cheat to get on base, I would do it. And like, I know a lot of people are against like choking up on the bat, but like, hey man, if it works for you, like no one can judge. Um, The scoreboard, the scoreboard doesn't say if you like choked up on the bat or if you like hit like a bad ball (laughs) or it doesn't say anything. It just says like the score. So I'm always, I think now like more and more people are like, like now in baseball, like it shows you like, oh, like if it's on the top, like right of the zone, like the guy hits like point four eighty or something like that, but like it doesn't matter, dude. Like it's just all it says on the scoreboard is one zero two zero. Yeah. Uh that was my fourth moment. So let's talk about this Astros too. We've already mentioned it a couple times. Uh cheating in baseball happens. I'm not gonna mention it. Like I, I'm I think I'm gonna like justify that. Like if there's a runner on second base, he is going to look at the signs and tell you what's happening. And there is all these guys that know, like, uh, look for signs and, like, they look for, like, the tell on the pitcher. Like, if sometimes, like, if the pitcher's throwing a curveball, he'll bring his glove up just so slightly. And there's, like, a lot of great managers that, like, know and read up on that stuff. And they watch all this tape and everything. So, like, it does happen. But, like, to do it in the game with buzzers and scanners and all the so-called information – it doesn't sit right with me because I think I've always wanted to work in baseball operations. And I've always thought that if I wanted to go in baseball operations, that would be something I have to do. I'd have to like look up all these signs and see like just figure out the best way. And I think that it's okay for people to do it before the game and like after the game, but during the game, it doesn't sit right with me. Like it just like me personally, I don't feel right about that. Where do you stand on this? Me as a player uh, that has played for a while, for a long time, uh, we all cheat, man. It's something yeah, yeah, that's yeah. been opened. Uh, me as a player, I get around with my baseball buds in the dugout um, while one is at bat and we look, we look for the pitcher. Yeah. Or, or before when he's doing the warm-ups. We look, we study at like where his glove is, like you said. Like many, many do that. But also, we figure out what he throws, and that's that's around baseball. Pitching coaches are or, or hitting coaches are like, you know what? Yeah. This guy's a lefty. He's gonna throw a fastball, curveball, changeup, and that's how it is. And I remember Derek Jeter always talking to Kevin Long and be like, to David Price. So it's like, what is it today for David Price? And he's like, you know what? It's a fastball cutter inside and all that. And he's like, all right, cool. So now you go up to bat and you're like, okay, I saw the fastball. So it's either a curveball, a changeup, or a cutter inside. That, that, that's how baseball works, man. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, no. You got to know what's coming in a way that 
you don't know what's coming. You know, it's it's weird. It's yeah. Weird. I, I understand that's the preparation part. Like, that part, I am completely fine. I'm on board. I will help you do that. Like, in tennis, like, if I see a guy that's doing something, like, and, like, I'm playing, like, I'll personally, like, try to, like, negate that by doing, like, another action. But the using of, like, another guy that is not, like, on the field, that he is somewhere yeah. in the stands. Yeah. And, like, he's passing on messages to some other guy who presses a button. Like, that sounds like something straight out of, like, a spy movie. But, like, people are saying that the Astros did it. And, man, I don't know. Like, a lot of people lost their jobs over this reason. Carlos Beltran, who just got hired by the Mets as their manager, they fired him. The Red Sox fired their manager, and then the Astros obviously fired their manager and GM, who both said that they did, they knew that it was happening, but they thought it was like out of their like control and like stuff like that. So, yeah. Do you have anything else to add? You 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 seems like you have a thought. No, I can't. I don't know. It's just it's just I don't know cheating in baseball. Like why? Like. Oh, like you already yeah. had the steroid era. Come, like yeah. we don't need another black eye in baseball. You know, it's, yeah. this is another reason for people to be like, baseball is not the national sport here. It's not. It's not the national pastime anymore. You know, like yeah, that's why people bashed on it when the steroid era was live. Um, now they have another excuse for it. You know, like they're just trashing the sport. Yeah, and you can definitely see this thing with um. Rob Manfred didn't help baseball either when he said, oh, like, I'm not going to, like, take away the World Series because it's just a piece of metal or something like that. Like, dude, like, that World Series, like, title and that trophy and, like, the ring is something, like, all players and fans are, like, longing for just to see their team win it, like, to see themselves, like, be at the pinnacle of sports and be recognized for it. And to – no, like there is physical evidence of them cheating on like this massive scale. So many players that leave the team are coming out and talking about it. And so many careers are lost over this. And you don't, you can't say anything about it. You're saying it's a piece of metal. I honestly thought if Rob Manfred came out at that time and said, this is wrong, I won't condone this, but I don't know, man. That's the best team in baseball, and that basically takes away from three years of players, basically. Like, uh, the Astros were won the ring uh, the year before, and I think they were really close the year or two before that, and then they were obviously in the World Series this year. So um, that takes away from it, but it, it's just a moment you have to be okay with, in my opinion. Like, you have to be okay with that, like, all that fallout you basically come out and say you are in the wrong for doing this and you go out and do it it didn't happen man yeah i remember turner from the dodgers was pretty pissed at him yeah he, like retweet retweeted what he said and like it, it, he had the right to like say what he needed to say man because like um yeah. a commissioner to say that about a world series trophy which is the most like glorified trophy in all sports yeah, is that about it? Like, come on, man! Like, it's it's not easy to win one, or let alone get to there, man. Like, isn't like, yeah, I don't know. definitely. And um, I don't know. Like, so now it's like obviously like the coronavirus and like the whole pandemic is going on, and everyone's like some sports are like making like slow efforts to come back. There was obviously like that golf game or match on Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was with 
like Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, and all those guys. And recently the news came out that all these sports don't want to be the first. Like, they want baseball to come out and say, like, oh, you guys should go first. I've never understood that argument just because, like, you can't just say, oh, baseball did it first. So, like, baseball jumped off the cliff, so I'm going to jump off the cliff. Like, I think everyone should – like, all those leagues should take their own opinions. And I don't understand why baseball is – now, right now, it's obviously like the struggle between the owners and the players. Like the players want like a 50-50 split, but the owners say, oh, we're making less money, so it's not going to be a 50-50 split. We're not going to prorate your salaries. So if like, uh, who is it? If Bryce Harper was supposed to make $33 million this year, he won't make $16.5 million this year. That's not how we're going to do it. Like, the players agree that it should be 50-50 split if you're playing 81 games or whatever. They agree with that. But the owners aren't ready to release, like, all, like, they don't want to prorate it. So baseball obviously was affected by that 94 lockout, and they haven't had a lockout since. But I think we're on the verge of another huge era in baseball where it's the owners are using all these rookie players and everything like that. What do you think about this? Do you think we're on, like, the verge of, like, another era in baseball? Maybe. Maybe. And we got to talk about this in depth because, like, back then in 94, the amounts of money being paid for a player, you can't compare it to what players are getting paid right now. Yes. You know, you got to get that out of the way first because – a lot of money is being paid for players who, like, especially, like, I'm not here to trash on pitchers, but, like, a reliever who gets paid, like, a million dollars to maybe pitch to yeah. one batter. Like, come on. Like, baseball no. should take consideration in payrolls, I guess. Yeah. And, like, not overpay players where they could add money to other stuff, like, Renovate a ballpark. Uh, do something else with that money. Help the community or something, man, with that extra money. Yeah. Uh, be smart with the money, man. Like, don't overplay players. Um. Do you think, like, the, like we could potentially see something where um, – so, obviously, I don't understand that, like, everyone is against, like, the current rookie contracts where it's, like, $594,000 – for like three, four or five years of your career. And then you get the chance to earn like big money. But a lot of players don't make it to that contract. So like I, so my question, I I don't want to talk about that, but I want to talk about the salary cap. Do you think baseball would be better with the salary cap? Or do you think baseball is not the right sport for a salary cap? It's a tricky question because it's on both sides, you know, like, you don't have a crystal ball. You can't, like, be, like, a scout and be, like, you know what? This kid is good. He's yeah. going to be a great champion with our team, and we're going to win maybe three to four championships with this kid. Yes. You can't yeah. do that. You cannot yeah. do that. Yeah. Even though scouts do that all the time, and then the rookie becomes a bust, you know, because they add so much pressure on that young kid. And it doesn't plan out. You have to move on, you know, like. Yeah. And next year, there's already been talks about cutting 40 minor league baseball players. So, like, a lot of, like, B3 guys and, like, Division two guys, maybe these Juco guys, they're not going to get contracts anymore. They're not going to have – or they're not going to get a chance to play major league baseball. Like, I know a lot of players have, like, been drafted in, like, the 27th round, 30th round. Like, Mike Piazza, who's a Hall of Famer, was drafted in, like, the comp 
like the compensation rounds. Like in those rounds, you don't have to draft a player unless you want to. And like Tommy Lasorda only drafted Mike Piazza just because he knew Mike Piazza's dad. And he was like, yeah, this kid can hit and he's not going to college. So we'll bring him on. And I think it was like the 60th or 40th round. Like I'm mixing up the numbers, but obviously like, but now baseball is only going to five rounds. You have five rounds and Mookie Betts was drafted in the fifth round. And I know like a lot of players have been drafted in like the sixth or seventh rounds who have been studs. Like Albert Pujols was drafted in like the ninth round. And now guys like him are not going to get a chance to play professional baseball. Just sucks, man. Yeah, man, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like what, what, what round did Brandon Crawford from the Giants got drafted in? I thought he was like, wait first, I can look it up, Brandon. Because he's, he's one of those guys that just stay consistent. Obviously, had his prime. But, like, yeah. right now, he's he's just there because he's a local guy. And yeah. He like, he's, like, he's like Barry Bonds. He's, like, close to the end already. Like Yeah. But he like, he's a he fourth-rounder. Like he's a fourth-rounder. I mean, which is that, – that would still be in the draft. But, like, there's been a lot of guys who've been drafted. I Like, I obviously can't think of any on the top of my head, like, I like gun to my head, but like there's been so many guys that have made that have been drafted later and like still made impacts on World Series winning teams. They not, might not be Hall of Famers, but they still were great players who are talked about in the handles of history just because of what they did and everything like that. Um, yeah, just um, just covered that. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, we could talk about the 08 team, or do you want to save it for next week since we – I'll save it, save it for next week, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. My fifth moment, uh, I, I know that we didn't mention it because we just talked about the Altuve moment, but my fifth moment, I'll, I just want to say it before I forget it. Uh, I had two Red Sox moments. Um, Trey Mancini, who currently has cancer, rips a home run uh, – like hits up. So let me just set up the moment. So it's 11th inning, 1-1 at Camden Yards. Rivals in the division. Okay, the Orioles aren't good, but they are, like, in the same division. So, like, the games are always close, per se. Yeah. And Trey Mantini rips a would-be home run off of over left center. And Jackie Bradley Jr. climbs up over the wall. His whole upper body is above the wall. And he, like, makes a game-saving catch over the wall. And he catches the ball. And basically, the Red Sox end up winning that game. It's just an amazing catch. And then my, like, second moment, uh, like, five, part A and part B. Part B was uh, Carl Yastrzemski was one of the best Yankee uh, Red Sox players of all time. We talked about it last time. And his grandson, Mike Yastrzemski, who was on the Orioles but never really panned out, he goes to the Giants and, like, he um, goes off on a little tear. And... At one point, the Giants end up playing at Fenway Park, and Mike Yastrzemski, who is Carl Yastrzemski's grandson, hits a home run at Fenway Park. Basically, just an amazing moment. Yep. So that's all I had, uh, Luis. Um, what do you think? How long do you think before we see a baseball game like a major league baseball game not the korean baseball league not the japanese not the mexican league not the league in central america when does major league baseball start i don't know man i don't know i feel like we shouldn't like i said last week we shouldn't like be relieved 
that the quarantine is over like we should still like be like precaution with what we're doing where we go and keep washing our hands and stuff like that because the virus isn't over like it's still yeah. going it's just that the quarantine is is over but you, you should still stay in quarantine yeah like, just be safe man. We had, and like not rush anything you know like that's, the, that's one thing that people are trying to do they're trying to rush things like yeah just if, if the season isn't gonna happen man, like then don't force it don't force yeah. it I saw this one video, I think it was in the land of the Ozarks in Missouri or something like that. And it was like this blue water, amazing water. And this was over Memorial Day weekend. There was like filled like thousands of people. There's no less than like one feet between these people. Just crazy. Like, I'm not going to be the guy to say like, oh, don't do that. I'm also not going to be the guy to say like, stay in quarantine. I think a mixture of things like you should like slowly like, go back into normal life but you should still be guarded by the fact that you could still have a chance to get this uh virus it isn't what we thought it would be we thought it'd like destroy like 25 percent of the population or whatever but still it is a virus that you have to be careful about and it is deadly and just be careful man that's all i have to say on that yeah um We'll stop recording, guys. Hope you guys are doing well. Stay safe. Let us know what you think. This is the third episode. Stop.